And I ordered a bunch of uh, sound dampening foam panels that I'm going to put on the walls in the closet so that when you go in there, it's just like super quiet. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make a, a, a closet spa. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 157 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the blaster of web packets. And that's it. Sam's gone this week. We'll talk about that. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is June 252018. Uh, before we start, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show, there will be profanity, and we'll talk about stuff that only adults care about, probably. So if yeah. you're a child, you know, just go away, go play with some sticks, play with some dirt. Take one of those hoops with a stick, you know, yeah, and then run it a bunch. Hit that, run that down yeah. the street, do whatever those, whatever's hip these days. All right. What's happening this week in the studio? It's been quiet. Yeah. Uh, Sam went to China. He's visiting uh, his, his wife's family over there. So they are roaming around parks, yep. getting up at six o'clock every morning and then hiking for Apparently 17 hours a yep. day. And then going to sleep. And then going to sleep. Um, so they, he's been sending back pictures of apparently he's at the park that inspired the this, this scene from Avatar with the floating the floating mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it b- very much looks like that. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So that's kind of awesome. Now I kind of want to go there. I'm sure we'll hear quite a lot about that whole experience when he yes. comes back. I'm sure there'll be many stories of misadventures. Yeah. And I think... You know, he, he just made kind of a, a quick comment about it. He's like, you know, it's given me a lot of things to think about, about life back home in the U.S. Uh, and I think that is something that does happen if you spend any kind of extended period of time in mm-hmm. a, in a you know, not maybe not, not Europe or maybe even Europe because they're really they're just fairly anywhere. different. But, yeah, I mean, you just go somewhere else and you just realize uh, a lot of the things that you are used to doing don't actually make any sense and you could totally do everything a completely different way and it would also be just fine. Um, So that's always pretty interesting. Uh, Sure is also gone because he's going to 1 million weddings. Yes. Or one super long one. It's kind of unclear. Yeah. All I know is it's going to take a long time Yeah, and he's, so he's off doing that. So it's, it's just been Adam and me in the studio. We've just been, uh, programming. Just programming. We just walk in, put our headphones on and then just program for, for, 33 hours. It's pretty chill. And also, yeah. this is our last, I guess, hopefully our last episode recorded in the podcast dungeon. Yes. Because we Patrick have, from Fat Bard is building us out in our new office. He's going to build out one of our little side rooms into our new podcast dungeon. And it's going to be a dungeon with windows. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be on yep. the second floor. Yeah. It's a really high dungeon. It's a, it's a, <laughs> I'm pretty sure dungeons can be elevated. Oh, yeah. Why not? You know, there's yeah. that scene in Game of Thrones when they throw people in the dungeon that doesn't have any walls on the outside. And then it's just like a thousand foot cliff. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's a pretty good dungeon. Yeah. It's hard to get out of. Uh, so our podcast, our new podcast room is going to be a lot like that. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, also, Shenanigan Jam rating. It's done. So if you didn't, if you didn't do it, well, that's too bad. <laughs> yep. Uh, so hopefully everybody got their their games rated. And so for those who are kind of new listeners and haven't heard all about this, uh, the Shenanigan Jam was a game jam that we put on just a, a couple of weeks ago, a few yeah. weeks ago, and uh, we ended up with almost four hundred participants. We just missed it by one. Just missed it. Well, uh, then it kept on getting worse because then a person a person left. I think every like ten hours after that. Yeah. So it got all the way down to 396. Yeah. 
We're so close. And I, I always thought this kind of interesting in terms of like, if you're in the jam, who has the presence of mind to go to the website and leave the jam? I would have yeah, just yeah. forgotten about it's, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's sort of, it's almost making a statement, you know? Yeah. You're like, I don't want to be any part of this. Yeah. <laughs> so we did have some, so we did have some people sort of uh, bail at the very yeah. end there, but we ended up with a hundred something game, 117, 17 games. And so, uh, so we had a rating system where people could go through and, and play each other's games and then evaluate and give people some feedback on that. And so uh, once Sam gets back, we're going to pull down some of the top games and do a gameplay video, presumably with far better audio than what we did year. last year, yes. uh, which was not, not, not as good, not as, no. not as good as it could have been. Did we even make that one public last year? Or was it just a, I believe we did. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up. Uh, I think Sam is gone even next week or next time we record. Well, he's, he, he's gone until next Monday. Which is when we record. Yeah, yeah, but if he's alive enough, we could record on Tuesday. So he might. Yeah, but he's going to he be, be he's going to be fucked up. But that might just add some flavor to the to the proceedings. You know? Yeah, I'm also curious to see how much weight he has gained. Yeah. Because there's, there's a, a lot of countries have this thing about food where you got to eat a shitload of it when you're a guest at yeah. someone's house. And if you're, if you're a guest for, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah, you you just, yeah you, you're probably doubling your calorie uh, intake. Yeah, but he is also walking like 100 miles a day, so probably, probably yeah, staves but, that off. But if being at the gym has taught me anything, it's that you can walk 100 miles and it burns eight calories. <laughs> that is true. So I remember uh, you could you can hop on an exercise bike and do that for 20 minutes. I think that's maybe like 100 it's something much, calories. Yeah. I and think then, running a mile and is then you, calories. Yeah, and then you glance at a Snickers bar, and that's like three hours yeah. of work to undo it on the treadmill, which is why weight loss via exercise is insane. Yep. It's it's all about food. It's all about the food. 100%. Yeah. And then exercise is just all about being healthy, you know? Yeah, it's the other, it's it's the other part of it, but it, it's not used for what people think it's, it's yeah. used for, you know? Um, although if you're, if you're a Michael Phelps and you're swimming, if you exercise enough, if you're exercising for six to eight hours a day and are therefore burning three or 4,000 calories, yeah. then that's a whole different thing. But I'm going to assume that a majority of our listeners are not training for the Olymp Olympics. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Other news. Levelhead is going pretty good. It's in a weird spot right now where, so Sam packed up and shipped off to China. And so now I have this uh, two-week period where as the game programmer, I can tackle some of these bigger things that don't require any art. And one of the biggest problems we have to deal with is the problem of optimization. This is going to be, the game's going to be on uh, mobile as well as desktop. And so having a game run well on desktop, not a big deal. Getting it to run well on an iPhone 5, it's a little bit more of a thing. So uh, so what I've been working on is, is we're calling it dynamic, uh, dynamic world generation, which is basically what Crashlands used, which is the idea that the level only exists in the visible area on the screen. Mm -hmm. And as you walk around, it disappears Any, anywhere off screen. There actually is nothing there. And we generate the level as you walk around. So with Crashlands, that was easy because the world was procedurally generated. And so... Uh, we didn't even know, you know, we didn't even know what was in the world until yeah. you went there. And then it was generated by an algorithm. 
But in level head, uh, this is different because players build levels. And so it's a predetermined thing. And everything in the level is often very interconnected. Well, yeah. And things act on distances. Yes. But in crash lanes, things can only act on you if they are basically on the screen. Yeah. And so if we, if we remove things the moment you walk off screen, then it's fine. It's fine. So yeah, if, if you walk up and a tree suddenly appears, that tree just is, it's just doing its own thing, mm-hmm. you know? And if you ignore the tree and leave, it doesn't matter that we despawn it. It's fine. It's not yeah. going to hurt anybody. Yeah. This is why there, there are a lot of things that we always kind of wanted to do in crash lands that people have asked for, uh, that we basically just aren't doing. And most of it hinges on that fact. And yeah. so it includes stuff like people wanted to have events where creatures would come out from outside of the screen and then, you know, come in and like, Oh no, you don't understand. There is no such thing as outside. Yeah. The there's no such thing. And, and like, there's no such thing as your base actually. Cause it's, there's not a, that doesn't actually specify a location on the yeah. map. People say, I want creatures to attack my base. Well, what if you laid down a hundred different sort of chunks of walls and built rooms in 50 different places? Which one of those is your base? Which one is your base? Yeah. Right, or are they all your base? And now you have to defend 50 different Is it places? Fallout 4 now? Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting ideas that that get thrown out there that they seem reasonable to a human brain. Yeah. Like, oh, if creatures attacked my base, that would be cool. Because as a person, you know what your base is and you know what it means to have things attack your base. Yep. But but translating that into actual instructions for the computer to to do something with is just a very mi- different mind thing. boggling. Yeah. So the thing that makes uh, makes this a little bit of a challenge with Levelhead is uh, we have this we have two big game systems that make this tricky. One is switches, and the other is paths. So paths are simply you lay down sort of like a track, and then you put stuff on the on the track, and then it moves around. So it's like moving platforms. You can put cannons on these things and have mm-hmm. cannons that roam around the level. Saw blades. Saw blades. enemies. Yep, you can slap some enemies onto the paths. There's, there's, uh, you can even put coins and power-ups on them so you can have like a level where, you know, there's uh, a power-up that just is like moving across the level and people have to try to like chase it and get it. Yep. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff that you can, you can do, uh, but that means that, but a path, a path can extend far beyond the boundaries of your screen. And so, we have to manage the things on that path and make sure that if you leave and come back, that they have appropriately moved, you know, their normal distance. And then we've got these switches where you can hook a lever to a door or to a cannon or all kinds of things. Um, and if you flip that switch, if the door or whatever it's, it's pointing at is way far away, then it doesn't exist because we haven't spawned it, mm-hmm. but it still needs to open. It still needs to know. Yeah. And we have portals where you can jump into a portal and then that teleports you somewhere else in the level. Well, what if the destination portal doesn't exist? Or you what if still got to go there. What if it doesn't exist and is, is on a moving platform that also doesn't exist? Yes, because you can put a portal on a path. Yeah. You know? So uh, so we need to have a non-existent path, move a non-existent portal so that when yep. you jump into the entry point, you emerge in the right place. Uh, so there's all these interesting sort of problems where each each sort of element that you can put into the level has its own set of constraints as far as how this has to be managed. And so what this has basically meant for, for me is that I've, I've had to rebuild most of the aspects of level head that are all about position and stuff and managing states of things like levers and switches so that for the most part, the level itself is just a bunch of sort of persistent data that's stored behind the scenes. Yeah. And then what you're actually looking at in the level is just a, 
th- those are items that don't actually do anything, and instead they're just a visual representation of this data behind the scenes. Yeah. So a lever, for example, has no uh, concept of whether it is on or off or anything like that. Instead, it just looks sort of into the 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 ether, mm-hmm. and it's like. If a lever were here, what would it look like? And then it just makes itself look like that. Yeah. And this is kind of fun because this is the, this is kind of the uh, model view controller, the MVC model of software development. Uh, But the fun thing about it, so for any of you who are sort of comp side people, um, but the fun thing about this is that, you know, Seth didn't even know what that was, but then he had to come up with that solution in order to solve this optimization problem. Uh, and it's a kind of, it's a thing we talk about a lot about you know learning through school versus learning by doing is that you stumble across many of the same solutions that other people you know are being taught in some sort of, some sort of way. But I remember learning about like model view controller at some point in the past, and at the time just thinking like why why would I do something this complicated? You know? Right? Like, why why, don't, why wouldn't I just have these all be the same yeah. thing? And then here we are working on a game where it's like oh yeah this yeah, is the this obvious, is the obvious, thing, obvious to do. thing you do and uh, and so there's something to be said for solving the problem when you need to solve it. You know instead of because instead it of sticks. using because it sticks instead of using these you know established best practices for how to write your code and how to how to write object oriented program you know programs for various uh, sort of structural reasons. Uh, like those are all really great and really useful and they're there for a reason. But if you don't know the reason, it's very hard to learn it and very hard to program that way. Yeah, which I think it's, I think it's, this may be a, a weird opinion, but I think it's crazy that there's, there are entire classes in comp side that are algorithms classes. Yeah. Uh, to me, that would be like, you know, if you're taking an engineering class and you're like, this is wrenches. Okay. So we're just going to, we're going to talk, we're going to show you all the different sizes of wrenches that there <laughs> right. are. Right. And then when you go to actually build something, you're like, you just, you just look at the, the fucking bolt and you're like, well, I need a wrench that's that size. And then you just go get it. Mm-hmm. Right. So why would you spend so much time trying to memorize all these different tools? I mean, I think, I think maybe it's cause it like plants a seed. So you, yeah, have, I think a, you have like a vague sense of like yeah. what to reach for. Yeah. I think it's very helpful cause I, cause I spent some time doing some algorithm study at my very beginning of, uh, of learning programming. And that has been, it's been very helpful, you know, ever since kind of moving forward. I bet yeah. if you went back now, it would be far more useful. Oh yeah, it'd be far more useful. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think I think the order is important, and I, so I, I would never say that I think that algorithms aren't a super useful thing to learn. Oh yeah, but I think they're definitely being everything's being just taught in the wrong. Everything order. in comp sci, they start with the hardest stuff. Yeah. Well, it just, it's <laughs> not even the hardest of it. Is they, they 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 provide no context. Yeah. You know, they're just like here's here's the right way to think about programming. Here's the, here's the right way to do all of this stuff. But the right way doesn't matter if you don't even if you've never done it before. Well, not only that, but that's just bullshit anyways. Yeah, yeah the right way the is the right way, way that works. The right way, yeah. Programming is a problem-solving tool, and the right way to program something is whatever gets the solution. Yep. So that's, you know, it's just the way it is. Uh, all right, so then so that's kind of where Levelhead is, which is, it's a pretty fun project. It's definitely a big one. Yeah. Um, and so I'm doing this whole thing on its own branch, and... Uh, I'm going to try to get it all done and then just merge the whole thing back in, which is going to be a, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a day. Um, otherwise industry news, discord, the discord is now steam. Discord is steam. Steam is discord. It's all very, it's all very <laughs> all right, confusing. So last week, I think it was last week we talked I about, so, yeah. we talked about valve redoing their chat, finally up their chat client. And, and they just said, we like what discord's doing. We'll just take that. Yeah. So, so valve redid their chat client, made it look like discord. Discord, just over, I think on Friday or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I just seen it last week. They revealed a patch where where they added a games tab 
to the Discord client, where now you click on that, and because Discord can talk to the games that you're playing, so you'll see in Discord, you know, that somebody's playing Fortnite, somebody's playing World of Warcraft, mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, so you go to the, the Games tab, and now you can look not at people, but look at games, and then you can see, oh, like, which one of your friends have been playing this game, which mm -hmm. of your friends have been playing this game. And so, and you can even launch games through that interface, and we're like, oh my god. Yeah, and you launch them through Steam through that interface. Yeah. So it kind of sits on top of the whole. So, so quite a long time ago, we were talking about Bscotch ID uh, as we were as we were originally developing it, and we were like, you know, if we wanted to, we could really take this thing in a very different direction, mm -hmm. where we could take instead of having Bscotch ID be sort of our own thing, we could develop it as a standalone platform that connects all your games together and stuff like that, and then allow other developers to use it. And then it would be this kind of social platform that could exist on top of all the other platforms, yeah. right? So it would work on iOS, it would work on Android, it would work on desktop, you know, it wouldn't matter. Um, and it would just be like a layer of services that you would normally use Google Play game services or, you know, all these other, or Steam or those kinds yeah. of things. Um, so it would kind of supersede all those. Uh, but then we thought, that sounds not like what we want to do just because yeah. we want to focus more on making games. Yeah. Basically it completely takes game making out of the yeah. whole thing. But there was a, there was a, a short time period where we were seriously talking about taking Bscotch ID in that direction. In other words, a platform to sit on top of all other platforms. Yep. Uh, and we are convinced that this is what discord is doing. Well, we're suspicious. Yeah. Anyway, uh, where it definitely looks like they're, because the question is, you know, so, so Discord, if, if any of you aren't using Discord, you should be. If you're using Slack, just get off it. Get off of there. Just get get off it. Get Even though, Discord. you know, Discord is is gaming focused, but it still has far better usability and features than Slack does. Yeah. So, or at minimum, the same ones, yeah. you know? So uh, it's, it's way, way easier to get into and, and to manage. And so uh, I know for me, anytime I need to join a Slack group or something, I just don't. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> uh, I'm in like three Slack groups and I don't ever go into any of them because I just forget that they exist because getting into them is such a laborious And process. you got to manually type in the, the yep. URL yeah. for that specific Slack group. Yep. And, and it's, it's just, just overcomplicated. Uh, but yeah, so, what so, is this? The but, Discord, right, but Discord came out, what, I guess three years ago now. So it hasn't been out very long at all. Um, and it came out to solve this problem, which was that in, uh, in the video games chatting space, there were a few competitors, but they were all difficult and confusing as fuck to use. And they typically were voice only. They were voice only and they weren't, and I think they were almost all paid or at least. Usually, yeah, usually you would pay for the server and then people right. could join the server for free. So, right. Yeah. So there was no kind of just centralized. And you have to like type in IP addresses. And yeah, it was just, it was just complicated. Yeah. So Discord came in and it was just like, we'll do this, we'll do this better. And, uh, and they did, but, the, but there's been this question the entire time that I've, at least I've been asking, which is, why right what's what's the end game that yeah. discord has because everything is completely free they do have this you know this they have the nitro version or whatever that you can pay 40 bucks a year or something like that and uh but the perks that you get are very minimal so there's so there's no like pressure really uh, i did it because i love discord and i want to support it you know yeah uh, but I don't, I don't actually make use of any of the things that i spent my 40 dollars for it yeah uh so so there's definitely no pressure on your average user to spend any money and if anything, it's moment. pressure to not at the moment. And so because of that, and because they just, just made a better product than anybody else had for that purpose, they their user base is now, what did they say it was? It was, it was something stupid. I think they've probably surpassed 100 million It's, by it's now. something yeah. like that uh, after only three years, right? Yeah. Uh, so they got this huge user base. What are you going to do with them? What are they going to do with them? I, what they're going to do is they're going to open a store. I'm I think, convinced. I think they're going to open a store. I'm convinced they're going to start distributing games. 
Because they, so, so the direction that Valve came at it from, as well as, as iTunes and Google Play and whatever, mm-hmm. every, every one of the major players in the market just said, we're a store. Yeah. Uh, so we sell games and that is our number one focus. And so if you look at the kinds of, the kinds of things that they do for patching their, their uh, storefront, it's simply about discoverability um, and like, oh, there's new search features. We have new ways of featuring games. We have new ways for developers to highlight their games, whatever. Um, but there's nothing on the social side. So, for example, yeah. you know, Steam hadn't updated their chat client in I don't know how long. Five I ever. years, I don't 10 think, years. I don't think they ever updated their chat um, their, their voice chat is like you click on a phone button and it kind of like a Skype call. Yeah, kind I've of also, thing. I only use their voice chat, I think, like in college, like once or twice. Yeah. But, and of course, yeah. uh, iOS is is fairly... I mean, there is no social aspect of, of no. that. They have Game Center where you can sort of like, in some games, you can kind of challenge people. I think things. that's been pretty much abandoned at this point. Yeah, it's it not. Like. I think it's not on their top top priority list. Right. Um, and then Google has Google Play Game Services, which they've also kind of talked about as being very low on their priority list. And they've kind of walked away from that as well. Yep. So, so this is weird. We've all kind of felt this is a bit weird because of the fact that games are, you know, they're inherently social. People like to talk about them. They like to spend time with other people who are playing the same games as them. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you would build a, a storefront and just completely ignore the community aspect of it. Yeah. is interesting. Yeah. And Steam has been trying to do stuff because they've had like the curator system they introduced a few years ago and, and they've been doing some stuff kind of leaning in that direction, but it hasn't been as sort of a, it's always, yeah, it's always been it's always been in the area of selling more games, not necessarily yeah. in just getting people excited about stuff, right. which of course in the end leads to sales, but it's yep. a longer term thing. So I think, I think what we're going to see is over the next, I don't know, few years, discord is coming at it from the other direction. They're building a social community around video games. Yep. And then they'll be able to harness that community. Right, Cause I mean, they're already the go-to. So like, so, you know, and then, Twitch is that new weird platform that people are somehow selling games through and yeah. all right. And the the chat client in Twitch was also not very good for that purpose. So like you get a hundred thousand people in a stream, and now all of a sudden the chat client is completely useless, yeah. right? Uh, and so Discord's already become sort of the de facto replacement for that. So like so so Discord's just everywhere. It's now it's now embedded and it, it's in integrated every, with everything. I mean everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just kind of in every network that exists, just sitting on top, just accumulating all these users. It's just, uh, it's just a harmless chat client. Yeah. Oh no, this thing, I, I am, yeah, I am convinced that there's going to be at the very least a desktop store. Yeah. Cause I, I think, and they're also right in that if you look at every other uh, store that has tried to compete with steam, they started as a store. Yeah. They can't compete. You can't well, compete. I think the newest yeah. one, I guess is cartridge from congregate, from congregate. Right. Which is, uh, which actually does say like it's got a social focus first, but the problem is it's still a store first. It's still a store first. And, and, the, and their user base is a, is a user base built on free games. There's completely free web games. Yeah. Right? So that's not going to, so that's going to be a different out. thing. Yeah. But at Discord, they're just like, we're just going to focus on community, build up a yep. huge user base. And then you've got them there. And then you can start distributing yeah. games through there. I and, mean, all your, and all your on. friends are already there because you've you've brought them in from all of your other platforms. Yeah, and so. I mean, like Discord has Spotify integration. It has integration with all kinds of things. Like, can you imagine having that on your Steam? Like, yeah, you yeah. know, like n- none of these things are right. there. On well, these it's, other it's kind of the interesting, this sort of new future of of things being way more cross-platform um, than they used to be. Because like the the fact that Discord, it just reaches its little tentacles into everything. You know, it's like, because you can, you can, 
hook up your Skype to it. You can hook up your Steam to it. You can hook up Blizzard to it. You can hook up anything to it. Yeah. Uh, get your friends into there and all that kind of stuff. You can it, it can see all the games that you're playing. So it's just kind of it's just kind of doing all that stuff. And at the same time, all these other companies, you know, Sony being the one that people are making fun of right now, uh, are just <laughs> staying locked down. You know, and they're saying like, no, no, if if you if you have friends in here, you can't take those friends with you elsewhere. Right. This is. You're, these are our friends. Yeah, or, or I think whatever. whoever belligerently holds on to their own walled garden the hardest is going to get hit the hardest. Yeah, when when somebody like it might not be Discord, but somebody's going to come in and just change and just change the game, change everything. Uh, so this, so we have a we have a uh, an air table called Biscotch Stradamus, mm-hmm. or Biscotch Stradamus. How would something, you? I don't know I don't how you would say it, but we. So whenever we make a prediction about something that's going to happen, we put it in there uh, and then we have it so that it'll email us uh, on the date by the date that we predicted. So we can see whether or not we were right about the thing, Uh, because, you know, it's really easy to be sort of like the armchair quarterback. Just be like, here's what I think is going to happen. And then never actually reflect. We don't don't have any skin in the game. You know, know, we're just we're just throwing random shit out there. And for right or wrong, who cares? Doesn't matter. But I still am convinced. That yeah, this well, is I think. Happen. I mean, so so Discord's backed by a lot of venture capital. Yeah, um, like they've, they've raised something like thirty million dollars, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they've told those people besides just we've got a fuck ton of users, right? Which is uh, enough to get a lot is of a, money. Yeah, this is actually yeah, exactly. it's, it's a classic. Sort I mean, of look at startup. Twitter. Twitter has never been profitable, yeah. and they're now publicly traded, and right. you can buy shares for I don't know twenty bucks a share. It has never made a positive return. Yep. In like a decade, (laughs) but they got a lot of users, so it's worth something. Actually, and that's true. Is is if you look at a case like Twitter, they never actually became something else, right? They're still just a platform where you tweet and then they sell advertisements. Yes, uh, which is just such a boring. It's it's, it's the attention merchant model. Yeah, you know, and I get it. It's a very we accumulate obvious model. Yeah, we accumulate eyeballs and then we redirect those eyeballs at advertisements. Yeah, bloop. So, so the question is though, is what is Discord going to do? Because they got all these users. There has to be an end game. They're gonna, but what is the end game? Are they gonna start selling advertisements too? Because if so, I'm getting the fuck off that platform, and we'll be very bummed about it. Uh, I don't think they will, but I don't think they will either. I don't think I don't think that's what's gonna happen. I think they are they are demonstrating a lot of insight. Yeah, I don't think I think they I think they understand where that would go. Yeah, so I'm excited. I think it's gonna be something. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think yeah, it'll be the first store to come out where I'll, where I'll, we'll actually think, okay, maybe we should get in on this. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because all the others, we've gotten in on some of them, and has not panned out. <laughs> uh, and and all the others just are, you know don't even look promising out of the gate. But yeah. I think this will be the one. We'll see. Yeah. Although uh, we are now launching crashes on EA Origin. Oh, that's true. Which we're pretty excited about. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, so we yeah we have no Is that live now. That must be live. I think now. it's live ish. Like they, they have multiple layers. Uh, so they have a subscription thing, and then they have a purchase thing. Um, and we're Crashlands is coming out kind of in phases on that platform, okay. oh, just over a couple of weeks though. Yeah, um, and so we're we're pretty pumped about that. I have no idea what to expect because you know, yeah. in all cases, you never really get like numbers. And now even on Steam, you don't get numbers because Steam Spy is gone. Well, we get our own numbers though. We so. get our own numbers, but yeah, we can't see what we might expect based on a performance of other yeah. games. So, uh, but I mean, it's been very great actually working with them. So yeah, it's been very smooth. Yeah, very I mean, we, we all hear horror stories about EA. So, you know, we were, when, when we first started <laughs> to talk to them, we were like, oh no, 
what's going to happen. And it was, it was all great. No, it was great. Yeah, yeah. They, they were just very friendly and very supportive and they just gave us exactly what we needed. So <laughs> yeah. we're like, fuck yeah, this is, a, this is how business should be done. Uh, so that was super cool. And then last bit of news, I floated. Yeah. Okay, so there's a thing in St. Louis called float, float STL or something like that, where you go into a sensory deprivation chamber uh-huh. and you float in this salt water uh, and you're just in there for an hour and a half. So the water is 94 and a half degrees, which is about the temperature of the surface of your skin. Mm-hmm. And so is the air. So you feel and there's no air circulation. The water is totally still. And I have to say, for starters, the buoyancy thing freaked me the fuck out because because <laughs> it's super salty water, right? It is. Um, I did I didn't like get it in my mouth yeah, or anything, yeah. which would have been pretty bad. But um, but you know, I always hear about people talking about like the Great Salt Lakes, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, it's crazy. Or is it was it the Dead Sea? Is that the one that's basically just pure one salt? Of them. Yeah, it's like yeah. you just get in there and you just float, you know. And I think intellectually, you understand like, oh, I will float, right? Yeah. But when you, but it's such an alien feeling because like we've, you know, most of us have spent some time in water and you know what to expect is how it feels. Yeah. Right. And like when I got in that tank, it was weird that I had to like apply pressure to push my arm down into the water because if I didn't, then it would just pop right back up to the top again. <laughs> like I'm, I felt like I was a life jacket, which was fucking weird. Huh. So, uh, so, it, and then the other thing is you ever see videos of astronauts, and they always kind of look like they're shrugging a little bit, like their necks kind of are shorter. <laughs> so I, it's something I hadn't noticed that. You, but I you would, take a look. From yeah. Next now time on. you see any like interviews with astronauts on the on the space station, notice a what they're doing with their hands, and b that their shoulders are weirdly higher than normal. It's because gravity is normally pulling your shoulders down. Uh, but once you don't have that, then your uh, your neck muscles kind of like pull your shoulders up. So you kind of have this like uncomfortable shrug (laughs) and then you got to be like, what the fuck do I do with my hands? Because normally gravity just pulls them down and then there they are. Yeah. Well, if if they're just floating, then you got (laughs) to, you got to consciously do something. Like you got to make a decision about where they're going to (laughs) be. And so it's kind of like giving a talk, you know, where where your your hands got to be What do I do with my hands? Yeah. So I ended up like I, uh, first 10 minutes I had to figure out like, what the fuck do I do? Like maybe I put them up here, like way over my head. Maybe that's fine. Or maybe I ended up in sort of like a mummy, kind of like a crossed on the chest uh-huh. pose because that also kind of pulled my shoulders down and then my neck didn't hurt. Uh, yeah. So then, so the idea behind these tanks is you go in there, you're wearing earplugs. So all you can hear is your own breathing basically. Um, and it's completely black, to- no light at all. Uh, no sound, no light. You feel nothing on your skin. You feel, you don't even feel the pull of gravity. And then you're just in there for a while. And the idea is to allow yourself to kind of like turn inward mentally and just experience your own thoughts in kind of an uninterrupted kind of a way. Um, So some people report seeing hallucinations when they're in there or seeing weird movements of color because even when your eyes are open, you see absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So since there's no sensory input for your eyes, then you're, and for some people, their brain will kind of just manufacture, just make something thing, like, there's gotta be something here. I'm going to fill in these blanks, you know, cause that is something that your brain does a lot where it, like it fills in the gaps on, on your vision oh, and yeah. stuff. I mean, most of what you experience is just stuff your brain's making up. Yeah. So your brain is very good at making up eyeball stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so my experience was, there were two things. One, one I'll talk about, which was actually 
in the tank, which was, uh, I was able all of a sudden to remember, I, I kind of like walked backwards through my life and I was able to just very easily remember all kinds of things that I hadn't been able to remember or hadn't even thought of in like 20 years. Like I was remembering names and faces of, of like kids I went to kindergarten with who then moved <laughs> away and I had never, I wasn't even friends with them at that time and they were just acquaintances and then they left and I, then I, I hadn't, I hadn't been able to recall them at all. And then all of a sudden I get in this tank and then I can just conjure them up and I could see them vividly. Like I could see what they looked like and stuff. Um, so that was kind of weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Something about just being in there made it really easy to just kind of sift back through at least what I believe my memories are. Cause memories <laughs> right. are of course, or, or manufactured them, yeah. but in any event. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, I imagine the, the cost of, of sensory input is very, very high. You know, the yeah. cost to your brain. Uh, so if you just turn all that shit off, then your brain is like, okay, cool. I can redirect. You got all this process. my resources. Yeah. You just got spare power now. Yeah. So I think it's the kind of thing that I would definitely encourage everyone to try. I think it costs kind of similar to like a, what you like a 60 minute massage kind of a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're talking like the 50 to $80 kind of range, you know, for an hour, hour and a half. Um, but yeah, it's a fascinating experience. And then also, all right. So, so as a sort of a, as an aside to this experiment experience, I went in there and we were sitting in the waiting room area and I was like, this is really nice. Cause it's like a spa, you know, they've got yep. the nice chairs, they've got tea out, they've got like nice lighting, they've got sort of chill music, you know, and there's of course no TVs. Yes. You know, there's, there's nothing there to kind of like pull you out of the, of the moment. Um, I was sitting there and I thought, how come, how come we only have this kind of a place in spas? Yeah. That's kind of fucking weird. It's the only place that smells really good. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole place is just designed to just make you relaxed and just not worry about stuff, yep. you know? And I thought, I want to, I want to make one of these. Like I want to make this experience. And so, so here's the thing. The studio has moved out of my basement. Are you going to make a basement spa? I have a walk-in closet that used to, uh, used to house all of our mugs. Now it's empty. <laughs> And it's big enough that I can put a really comfortable chair in there, a side lamp, mm -hmm. and a small table with like an essential oil diffuser and a little Bluetooth speaker and like play some chill ass music. Mm -hmm. And I ordered a bunch play of some Enya. Yeah, I assume. Yeah, and I ordered a bunch of uh, sound dampening foam panels that I'm gonna put on the walls in the closet so that when you go in there, it's just like super quiet. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna make a a, a closet spa. <laughs> nice. That's be I awesome. think I think I could do it for probably like under two hundred bucks. Yeah, because I could just get like a cheap chair off a of Craigslist. I'm, I'm basically I'm prototyping this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because uh, I thought, why is this not a thing? You know, and I think it's just because of space. Because people people can appreciate the experience when they're there, mm -hmm. but they don't appreciate it enough to sort of set aside an area of their house for that kind of like quiet meditation or just like sitting there thinking about stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, this is something that, that my wife and I found really interesting when we were setting up our new place, which was uh, sort of the, the customs of the kinds of things you're supposed to do with rooms as a homeowner. Yeah. You, you know? got to have a living room. You got to, you got to, yeah, you got to have all these particular kinds you of, you got to have that room with the TV in it. Right. Uh, and pool table, but then also you have to have a guest bedroom, right? Yeah. 
And and I was thinking back and I was like, we we basically never have guests over that spend the night. Yeah, you we got do a whole, on, on rare occasion, right? But it's like it's literally like a few times a year max. You got a whole chunk of your house that's yeah, not even why? for you. That's crazy, you know? Like <laughs> so it's basically this unused part of your house. Uh, and you know, assuming that you do have hey, a guest guests, bedroom, go get a hotel, you know? Yeah, exactly. Come on. Right? <laughs> uh, cause you know, we're <laughs> get out of my house guests. <laughs> right. Uh, cause you know, it, and it's, it's great to have people over to hang out and do all this kind of stuff. But, but the, that added layer of people spending the night, it actually adds an enormous space and sort of planning burden. Uh, we just didn't do it because we were like, why, you know, just why, right. uh, why use the space in that way? Um, but, it's, it's but your there, space. yeah, but th- there must be some sort of parts of a house that, uh, that are just being used in ways that just don't make any sense, especially storing shit you don't need. Yep. And then just being there on the off chance that this rare event happens. Like if you, if you have spaces that are for those two reasons, what if you just didn't, you know, and what if you turn those into a little in-house spa? Yeah. Like spa closet. You spa got a closet, closet yeah. there. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe re, you know, rethink, rethink your rooms. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to try this. I'm going to report back. It's going to take me a couple of weeks to accumulate the materials and get mm-hmm. everything set up. But if it works well, then I'm going to see what the price would be to do sort of a, a build out where, cause right now it's still a closet. Yeah, so yeah. it's got some shelves and stuff in there, you know, whatever. So I would, I would want to like paint the walls like a nice, right now it's just like white wall. We didn't paint it cause we're like, it's a closet. You're never going to yeah, go cares? in there. But then of course what it begs the, question, yeah, begs the question of like, why do you have a room that you never go in? <laughs> <laughs> What's its purpose? Because uh, it, uh, a walk-in closet is a room. It's just a small room. Yeah. You know, you don't have to fill it with clothes. You could turn it into a spa. True. Yeah. Want. I wouldn't be able to do it in our house because our house is, uh, it's one of those really old, old ones. Um, it has no closets to speak of. Oh yeah. Uh, no, it was built in a time when people didn't own things. Yeah. Because it was really expensive to own stuff. And they were like, why would we, why would we, why would we you own know? those things? We can't. And now we have Amazon. Now we, now we can own so, <laughs> infinite You things. can have everything for $8. Yeah. So the world is different now. And now we have walk-in closets that need to be turned into spas. We're just, it is pretty hilarious though that we just have, we just have part, like we build this, this beautiful space for ourselves and this, this, the place we call home, you know? And then we're just like, you know what we should do with a whole bunch of this space? Just fill it's it with just shit. Fill it with shit we don't actually use. You know, yeah. let's just, let's pile it in some places. Just like floor to ceiling, just garbage yeah and we gotta we gotta take out a loan to live in this house because we don't have any money left because of all that shit that because we, of all that shit we gotta store in the house it's a bit circular yeah maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe don't maybe don't do any of that shit yeah. uh, all right let's get on to some questions these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net if you would like to get your question onto a future episode get over there put your question in the text box and don't forget to submit it you, yeah, you can't just type it. No, that would uh, wouldn't get wouldn't get over here. Yeah, we're not we're so. not watching your normal keystrokes because you know we're not uh, we're totally not, we're not some of those other companies. Yeah, we're totally not logging your your keystrokes nope. at all. Nope, or anything not, not like even that. a little bit. Yeah, uh, and actually on that note, not the key logging thing, but on, yeah. the, on the podcast.bscotch.net note, it's possible that we will be prioritizing making a new podcast. Is it probable? System. I mean, it's always been possible. It's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, actually, because it still depends on like what everybody agrees is sort of top priority. Hey, you know right. what though? They're not here right now, so it's up to us. That's true. So <laughs> it might be that for the next week until Sam gets back, uh, yeah. Then the the pod the new podcast system will become sort of top priority, and so then Sam will replaced. come back and he'll say, "Hey, get back to work." Like, Shit, <laughs> he yeah, caught us. It's possible. It's possible. So anyway, I'm I'm really hoping to get this thing replaced because I hate it. 
yeah, the podcast, the podcast page, it did its job quite well at the beginning. Uh, when we had, when we had 33 listeners and we were recording the podcast from under bed sheets. Yeah. Uh, it, it reflects those days. It it was very appropriately constructed for those times. Yeah. So we'll have some updates on that. I'm sure. Uh, all right. So first question comes from my secret weapon. I'm participating in a game jam at the end of June. I've done one before, but I'm bringing two guys who haven't. One is a new artist. One is a new programmer. This is their first jam and first game. I've done all aspects of dev solo for years. What's the best way to split the workload between the three of us? I'm kind of curious what new artist and new programmer mean. New like to game? Freshly born, you know, like just yeah. came into the world knowing how to do these things or uh, just or new to They're game babies. They're babies. <laughs> it's a new <laughs> programmer it? and they just had twins. Uh-huh. So they've got a new uh, artist, so and a like new this, programmer, yeah, yeah. and it's time to get them into the business, into sense. the family business. <laughs> um, I think the best advice is to, uh, well, actually, not the best advice. It's a crazy thing to say. I think some advice. Here's some advice. <laughs> would be, would be to that not, might be bad or that, good. Yeah, it just is what it is. Uh, would be to sort of recognize the position that you're taking on here as sort of you're teaching. you're the old person, right? You're the you're the Gandalf. Yeah. And so and these other people are new like and remember they're the Frodo and the Samwise. Right. But but remember that there's nothing like the experience of a first jam, right? Yeah. It's, you can only do it once, just sort of just by definition. Uh and it is way more important that those other two people have a great experience than that the three of you make a great game. Yeah. So I think the the best thing is to put just a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself. Exactly. To make this perfect yeah. for them. But And if it's not absolutely perfect, the whole thing's ruined. Right. Which is, of course, not even remotely what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but I'm saying don't make it about uh, the game because it's very easy to be in this position. And because you are the person who knows how to do this and, you know, now, now you're going to take it on yourself to be in charge of the game, in charge of the game design, in charge of everything, because you'll know all the things that you shouldn't do and all this kind of stuff. Um, but you want to take your hands off. Take your let, hands off. Let them yeah. do stuff. Yeah. Let, let, let them contribute as much as possible. And, and even if things, even if you think things probably aren't going to work out that well, it's of course, it's of course fine to, to say that and to kind of dig into stuff, uh, but just be a little more flexible than you otherwise might. You want to be a guiding hand and actually, yeah, don't. Don't pull your weight too hard. Yeah. Let them, let them do some stuff. Yeah. Cause yeah, if you can do, and this was actually a struggle that we had early because I had been doing solo dev for a long time and Sam was a new artist. Yep. And, uh, there was a long time period where Sam was catching up to my art skills Mm -hmm. and that was very difficult for him emotionally because he always knew that whatever he was working on, I could have also done it. Yeah. Uh, faster or at the same quality or whatever. And so there's that, like, what am I bringing to the table kind of a thing? And so don't, of course he's far surpassed me. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah if you're looking back through our history, it's basically like towel fight was the game where that was true. That was right? where like that, our worst looking game is about my level of art. Right. Uh, and so, so <laughs> for towel fight, either of the two of them could have done, could have done the art. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was in quadruplex where Sam took over and actually um, had, had practiced enough that he, you know, just got further ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of understand what, and understand the implications of being the person who knows how to do lots of stuff and try to find ways to kind of mitigate the emotional toll that that mm-hmm. might take on everybody right. else. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you should be telling everybody else what to do. It means you're, the, you're there to, to help. To guide. Yeah. Let them, let them flail a lot. Yeah. And then just occasionally hop in and be like, 
boop, and just kind of poke them <laughs> right. in the right, nudge them in the right direction. Right. But yeah, it, it's it's a it is really important that people for the first jam uh, get to experience the full thing of just like brainstorming together and like being in the trenches together and doing all that kind of stuff. If they're if people are just being told what to do, uh, and this is true. This is also why one of the reasons we advise against having a game designer on a on a jam team. Because all their job is is just to tell everybody else what to do. Yeah. Which just sucks for everybody. Right. Else. So as as a programmer on a jam team, do you want to just show up and be given an assignment? Or do yeah. you want to actually be part of the just like part of the design process and get right. your creative input in there, which I think that's what people tend it's to just prefer. way more fun. And then you have some sense of ownership because stuff that you're programming is also stuff that you helped to conceive yep. of. So Yep. So just be a little, be a little hands off as hard as it will be to kind yeah, of. And, th- and that, that may mean, I mean, you, you never know what the outcome is going to be because it depends on the people in the project. Um, it, it may mean that you end up with the worst game at the end. Yeah. You know? you, just, I mean, just you be will. okay with that. That's but yeah. The, the point is not to make a, a perfect or even good game. No, it's just to make a game. Just to make a game and, and have a really good impactful time doing it. Yeah. Uh, so also bring snacks. Yeah. You can, you can run, you can uh, sort of be the point person for keeping everybody, you know, <laughs> hydrated and well-fed. Uh, all right, next question comes from Zacy Zacy, who says, Hey, dudes, you talk about how great it is to organize your thoughts onto some paper, but how do, how do I turn my empty page into thoughts? Also, thanks for having a profound impact on my ear holes. So I think one thing is you should not impact ear holes. No. Uh, profoundly or otherwise uh, you should, in any you should leave them alone although q-tips i mean despite what the q-tip box says which is like don't put these in your ear holes but do, well don't impact your ear holes with yeah, them yeah. but i'm pretty sure that's G- what you can for, put though. them in there gently can you i mean i'm pretty sure they, they even tell you not to do that they specifically tell you not to yeah they're like don't even and do this we gently. of course legally probably should also tell you never put q-tips in your ears yeah don't obviously ever but when you do it when you do it it's if, probably fine it's probably fine <laughs> Uh, all right. How do you turn your empty page into thoughts? You quit thinking about it so hard. Yeah. Here's what I, so back when I had to, had to write things for some purpose where I'd be like, you got to write a, a lab report or write a essay or whatever. The first I would sit down with my empty page and I would just literally just start typing. I would just, I would go full brain dump, not even trying to write the thing I was supposed to be writing because it was, the idea was warm up my fingers to get some typing in, but also just start getting into the zone of, of thinking about writing and not giving a fuck about what I was writing. This is a bias toward action. Yeah. You just, just start, gotta start doing shit. Yeah. And then after maybe like a third of a page or something of just like writing random shit, uh, then I would just be like, okay, I'm ready. And then I would just control all delete and then start writing for real. And that turns out to be a very effective way just to kind of grease the wheels. Control you know? A delete. What did I say? I think you said control alt delete. Uh, control. Yeah. <laughs> control. You don't want to shut down your word yeah, yeah. processor. No, no. You, you want to keep typing. Alone. Select all and delete it Select all. Select all and delete it all. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, people get really hung up on on doing things right. Yeah, don't. Don't, just, don't fucking worry. Especially something that's just for you to see. Uh, you already are thinking. So just take the, the words and, and just, just put, put them, them on, on the paper. Even if the words are, I don't fucking know what to write about. Like, this is. Those are often my first words. Yeah, this is stupid. I'm, yeah. I can't even believe I'm sitting here typing this thing. Yeah. And yeah. if you're writing on just real physical paper with your physical hand. Uh, the same rules apply. Sometimes, sometimes I just write about how much my hand hurts from yeah. holding that fucking pen. Yeah. For half <laughs> half. <laughs> I've mentioned before that I, I was doing a sort of a pen pal thing with a with a buddy from from college. Um, I think a you while ago. Yeah, I talked about that on the podcast. And and a non insubstantial fraction of every letter I wrote was just me complaining about how much my hand hurt <laughs> while I was writing this note. 
Uh, you know, part of that was I needed to fill up a couple pages of just like writing some thoughts down. Let me and describe to you all the ways in which my hand exactly because well, because that's what I was thinking about at the time. So just embracing that fact and just writing about it uh, is fine. So when you're when you're sitting down to process your own thoughts, don't select which thoughts you're going to process. That's that kind of defeats the whole point. Just sit bias down, toward action. Bias toward action. Just start writing whatever you're thinking, and then as that goes, you can start to refine it over time as you get lower down the page into the things you really wanted to dig into. Yes. And I've also found that the bias toward action approach, uh, I feel like game jams sort of epitomize this idea where you don't have time to think about shit. You just got to start moving in a game jam. And anytime we've done one, uh, I always find that for the next, you know, at least a few weeks, I'm just faster at everything that I do because I'm just not worrying about things as much. And I'm Mm -hmm. not thinking about things so damn hard. It's a hard thing to maintain because I think as a person, you just naturally trend toward wanting to do things well and getting kind of worried about the quality of what you're delivering, even if you're just delivering it to yourself, you know? Um, So it's a good habit to kind of practice of that. Just like, just do stuff. Just put the pen on the paper. Yeah. Just decide what parts need to be done well. And for me, it's basically got to, got to have good grammar. Yeah. Well, and there's also like when I'm writing shit. No matter what it is, good grammar. That's, yes. that's my no, that's my only rule of things that have to just always be good. After that, though, it can just be the worst shit anyone has ever written. The, it's fine. The dirt's the limit. Dirt's dirt isn't even. I was going to say sky, but it's like it's down because it's yeah, yeah. the shit. How but, bad but it is. The dirt's just the top, though. So the like, dirt's you can keep the top. on going. The core of the earth. Core is of the, the earth limit. is the limit. <laughs> you can, but you can keep on going through that. End up in space on the other you side. Go you know? sp- yeah, that's a, that's a real shitty yeah piece of writing right there. But then it's so it's bad. It's still fun. It's so bad it punches a hole through the earth. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Fascinator. It's a pretty, pretty good name. It is. One who fascinates. It's kind of presumptuous, though. Uh, well, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You know. Are all free-to-play games bad, or is it just the ones that use greasy tactics to get you in? Like in Fortnite, it's only the Battle Royale portion that is free. But in the Battle Royale portion, they sell you fuck tons of loot boxes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, okay, so... I mean, the answer is no. No, I mean, yeah, you can't just say that all of something is bad. Yeah. Um, I think, and, and it also depends on the user, right? Yeah. So there are there are people who can play a free-to-play game and not spend any money, and that is most people. That is like yes, 90, almost everybody, 98 to 99% of people. Yep. Right? Uh, so I think, I think it can be done well. The problem is what it trends toward, which is... There's basically two sort of logical endpoints of free-to-play. One is the attention merchant model where you get tons of users and then you just throw a shit ton of advertisements at them, Yep. which I think in general is- I think, I think it's bad. In general, it's, it's just a toxic thing. It's not good for people no. to have an ad thrown at them every 30 seconds. It's just, there's just a- Sort of a fact. I think I think we can all agree <laughs> that it just kind of fucks people up. It's not good in bad ways, um, and it's and it also diminishes their relationship with the product, right? Yeah, because they're they're getting the product for free. They they're not. Um, they have of, no investment. They're not emotionally invested in the in the gameplay experience, and it just becomes. And then you keep on reminding them of the rest of the world with, th- and in in particular things they don't give a shit about because that's what ads are for. Yeah. Um and and it also of course pushes companies to really lean hard on this concept of engagement where they're like yep. they want they want to produce compulsive behaviors to get users to come back into their app day after day after day after day not because it's good for the player or not because it's good for the game but because then they can show them more ads. Yeah. That's the whole point. Um and so you know we've talked in the past about how with with 
Crashlands and even with our other games as well, uh, if somebody opens the game and then plays it for an afternoon and then never opens it again, that's fine yeah. by us. Like we kind of like it if they finish the game. Yeah. But also we don't really care that much because they, they are in control of their own destiny and yeah. they can do whatever they want. Uh, and this is also why we pulled all the ads out of our, out of our existing games. Uh, Cause we just, we think it's, we think it's bad. Uh, we did it cause we felt that we had to, to, to pay the bills, which was true um, until Crashlands came yeah. out. Um, but once we had the option, we just, we just cut it off. Yeah. But it's one huge advantage of, of, you know, Rumpus and Beast ID as well, which is that somebody can buy a game that we put out, log into it, do all the stuff, uh, and then stop playing it a week later. And then they, and then we can just never interact with them again for like two years. And then we can launch another game and just tell them that we did that. Yep. And so if they have any memory whatsoever of having played <laughs> that game two years ago uh, and have any fondness towards that, then basically that, that relationship that we want from them, which is to have them play our games, uh, is still intact without us having to badger them and advertise to them and send notifications. And yep. all this other yeah, stuff. We, we also don't do push notifications, which again, that's one of those engagement devices where yep. you know, try to hook people back in. Um, and this is something that I noticed, you know, any, anytime I download a new game, it, it happens often with paid games as well, even um, where start playing the game. I'm like, oh, it's pretty fun. And then I close the game and then within an hour, I have a push notification. Yeah. Reminding you to come back and play it again. Yeah. I'm like, get the, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to. I'm, yeah, I'm mine are all off by default to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still, I'll never forget the first time, first and only time, uh, I saw an out of app full page ad on my phone. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was literally enraged. <laughs> I was so angry at the, the invasiveness of that experience because of course like I hate advertising more than I hate almost anything and I'm and I, I very carefully and studiously avoid it in kind of all aspects of my life uh, and just to have somebody be like you know what you're not even in this right now like we're, we're outside of this transaction where like you give us some of your attention we let you participate in this thing that we made they're like we were out of that ecosystem now and they still did it yep it was just such a violation yep I was so angry I deleted every app that I downloaded like for weeks because I didn't know which one it yeah, was. I, I didn't even want to look. I didn't even care. I was just like, <laughs> fuck all of these. Full 24-7 purge. Yep. Uh, so that's that's the one, that's one side of free-to-play Yeah, is using the attention merchant concept. And the other is the in-app purchase thing, um, which it can be done uh, what I would call ethically, I guess, where there is a cap on spending and users are buying known outcomes. So something like Super Mario Run, yep. right? Where they say, "Hey, you've you've experienced the first part of the game, and now you can buy uh, you can buy the remainder of the game." So you basically played the demo. Now you can unlock the full yeah, version, or like level packs and yeah. that kind of thing. Problem is, uh, there's a thing called miswanting, where people don't actually recognize they don't actually desire things that are good for them, and they want things that are generally bad for them. Right? Um, like people don't want to go to the gym, and they want to eat fuckloads of ice cream. Like those are, yeah. these are both miswanting things because if you did the opposite of both of those, you'd be very happy or at least in very good shape. <laughs> very good shape. <laughs> and you might be happy about that fact. Um, I, thought, I thought miswanting was more about the outcome. Like you, you thought that a thing would have a particular outcome and that's why you have it. Miswanting is where you, you want something to occur because you have a certain belief about how it's going to affect you. And then it affects you in the opposite right. way. Okay. So yeah, this is like, I, like, with, like with ice cream. I'm, I'm just a little unclear on this now because I felt like I knew what it meant until you used ice cream. So miswanting would be like, so there, there's been a, 
there's been research about about how people view their their uh, happiness while they're at work versus when they're at home. Right. Right. And so there was a study where they they hooked pagers to people and they just would randomly go off uh, during the day. And people had just filled out a survey about like, what are you doing right now? And how do you feel? Um, and so and they had several thousand participants in the study. And, oh, and then the, so the questions were, what are you doing right now? How do you feel? And what would you like to be doing right now? What they found was that people were the happiest when they were at work and what they what they overwhelmingly wanted to be doing was not be at work. Yeah. Right. And then when they were at home, uh, they they reported that they were less happy, but they reported wanting to stay at home and not go to work. <laughs> right. right. And so so people tend to they tend to misidentify what it is that brings sort of longer term satisfaction and happiness in their lives. And they go after. Well, this is, in this case, it's not even longer term. This is just like even just your actual experience moment. right yeah. now. Um, so this is where this is where stuff like ice cream, you know, where you want ice cream because you think it's going to make you happy, right? Yeah, yeah. And it does, like right there in the moment. But then, and if you if but you then keep, if you're most if you're most adults, you're going to feel like shit immediately. You afterwards. feel like shit immediately afterwards, and then in the longer term, you're like I now you're now you're just, I obese. just don't like the how I feel right now yeah. or ever now. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of that miswanting idea. I see. Yeah. So we see this as well where people hate having advertisements thrown at them and they hate being nickel and dimed all day long by games that are just riddled with in-app purchases. Uh, then a game like Super Mario Run comes along and they're like, hey, we're going to do the ethical thing. We're just going to mm-hmm. sell you the full game. And they just get review bombed into the fucking ground. Yep. Um, so they they had their, their review scores looked like a U where it's like a bunch of five stars. And then a bunch of one stars and almost nothing in the middle because people were so mad that the game asked them to pay for something. Yeah. And they would rather the game just be completely filled with ways to get them addicted to spending on random loot boxes and advertise at them and whatever, even though, of course, that's far worse for their own personal health and finances and, and, gaming and experience. game experience in the long run. So that, that's where that miswanting kind of comes into gotcha. that. Um, so I think... It probably can be done well, like in the case of Super Mario Run, but it's the worst business move. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to make a free game and then do it ethically, you just kind of hurt yourself, both in terms of reputation and in terms of financial outcomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we just, this is like the only winning move is not to play, right? So we just stepped out of that. Trying to opt out. Yeah. Still no idea how that's going to work out for us in the long run. Yeah. Which, I mean, we are competing against free to play uh, is, is a very hard sell. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can have all these things for free or you can just spend some money and be done with it um, with our game. But, but for most people, because they never intended to spend any money anyway. Yeah. Which, and it's also important to remember because it's, it's easy. Sometimes we forget too, and we're looking at the numbers on stuff, you know, uh, that almost nobody who plays your game, um, especially if it's free to play, actually, if it's free to play, nobody plays your game, gives a shit at all. Right. <laughs> uh, almost none of them were ever going to spend money in your game. Almost none of them. Almost none of them, like like a good 80% of them, were only going to try it once and then uninstall it and never play it again, right? Yeah. So those really high numbers that we're always looking at were for free to play are really meaningless, you know? Because it's yeah, just- Yeah, I mean, Quadrupus Rampage had two and a half million downloads. Yeah. And that was enough for for only Sam to get paid. Yep. I, I couldn't get paid from that. And, and not it was, very much. And it was at a level that was- Low enough that he didn't have to pay income tax on the same. <laughs> right. Uh, it was very, it was a very small amount of money, you know? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't enough to support two people. 
even at a small amount. Yeah. So yeah. So people get really freaked out about uh, about premium games because they're like, I mean, you just move so many fewer copies. But it's because the copies that you're selling are to those same kinds of people who are the almost zero percent of people who are willing to buy something from you. Yeah. It's just that now that's your only audience. People yeah. people are focusing on the wrong numbers. Yeah. You know. Uh, because you, you want, and we also had this kind of epiphany where as we were going through all of our free-to-play stuff, you know, we get support tickets from from players. And there's always that kind of calculus going on where you're like, the average player contributes like two cents. Yeah. And so if I spend an afternoon helping one person, one player, uh, sort of figure out like some aspect of the game or something like that, then that's just like a, just a guaranteed financial if you read loss. if you read one word from their initial original support request then you've lost you've already lost yeah and so it creates this just bad vibe like it creates this bad feeling you know kind of between yeah. the developer and the players um, the players feel like they're being taken advantage of the developers don't want to spend time on the players because each player yeah. on average is not contributing very much um it's just not good well i think it's, it's interesting too because there's a there's the other side of this whole spectrum in the free-to-play space where people can just spend infinite money on a thing is that you simultaneously now don't give a shit about most of your customer base because they are just they a cost. They don't give a shit about and you. And they don't give a shit about you. <laughs> and they probably uninstalled the game on day one anyway. Right. But, but those who are in there are basically, they're, they're just getting something for free, right? Which just makes you feel bad as a person who made it. But then now you have this tiny subset of people who spent a lot of money. And all you're thinking about is how do we monitor? Well, but not even just that, but people. now, but if you're, but if you're a decent person, you're thinking like, how do I make sure that, that uh, that this was worth it in some way, right? So if they, if they contact you, like, oh, I lost all my stuff, right? Or they're really unhappy about something, but they spent a hundred. You're saying like because you're so grateful that that they actually paid for well, stuff. Well, now you owe them something, right? Because because they they've, could they've, have had it for free and they didn't. Yeah, they, they've <laughs> truly they're one of the few people who truly invested. And this is, this is one of the questions that we have with with our free to play games, even though they don't allow for much in the way of infinite spending. Um, you know, we had like in in Quadrus Rampage, there's a twenty dollar purchase yeah. item. Yeah. And you pe- spent 20 people bucks, have you bought have everything. Right. People have bought it. Not, not a lot of people, but enough people that now when we have questions like, what if we want to sunset the game or replace it with something else or whatever and, and sort of just, but make it be a new thing now. If we want to do something like this, that, be, that basically is now us. Like, yeah, there's a jillion free-to-play players who now just like don't get it anymore, but that's not getting off our back, yeah. right? Uh, but now there are all these people, and not very many, but there are some people who have could truly like invested in this thing that we gave them. And so now we're like, well, shit, no, this, this would feel really bad if, like, if we were that person, we we're like, oh yeah, I spent $20 on this game and all of a sudden the developer just said, oh, you can't have this anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so, so it, it's simultaneously like having this free to play group simultaneously creates like both ends of a terrible spectrum where it's the people who don't give a shit at all and the people who you feel like you owe a lot to. Right. <laughs> and it makes it very hard on a, devel- on well, a developer this, to make any decisions. Yeah, and th- this also is something where we've been trying to figure out what to, we've been trying to figure out what to do with the older games. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a conversation we've kind of had repeatedly in a sense that there's sort of three layers of problems that we still have not quite come to a solution on. We, the clock is ticking on these. Oh, yeah. Which is, one is, is they're all in old Game Maker in Game Maker 1.4, and we need to we need to migrate them over to the new Game Maker um, because Game Maker 1.4 is going to be losing its support sometime in the near future. Which means like very if, near future. Which means like if the next iOS comes out or something like that, the games just won't work anymore, and was, that means we can't maintain them, we can't keep them alive. Um, the second problem is they make almost no money. 
they make no money. Like, I think it's fair just to call it no money. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with, with four of us in the studio, uh, you know, the original four games might bring in enough to like get the four of us lunch a couple times a month. Um, and that's about it. Uh, so any time we, so this is again, it's like, it's that calculus of like any time yeah. we spend on them, it's, it's just, it's just us sort of losing money and losing time. Um, even though we love those games and we know our players like those games who the people who have played them, but it's just, it's a big financial problem for us. Yeah. Um, and then the third piece is the tech debt where those have all, all B scotch ID in them, yeah, which we're trying to get rid of, which we're trying to, we're trying to move over to rumpus and it, on a per game basis, it might take us a month or two to get Rumpus sort of added in there in a way that's compatible with B Scotch ID, where people can keep their stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just a that's just a loss. Yeah, right? and, and just as a reminder, it's not just the month of it's of also the loss. Of it's death. the loss of a month that we could have used towards Level Head or towards some future game. Yeah, and so it's it's actually it's just enormously costly for us to maintain these things. And I think this is something to keep in mind with free to play. Uh, with any game, really, but especially with free to play. This is why you saw with GDPR a bunch of games just shut down. Yeah, because like we and can't. they and they blame GDPR, but really it was a good scapegoat. Like that's that's yeah. what I would have done at the time had I had I not had I wanted to just basically like to get rid of of Beast RD in that moment. Uh, I didn't because that's where all of our users yeah. are, right? But but if I wanted to, I would have been like, fuck, perfect. This is a great opportunity for me just to abandon this and say it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. So we yeah. we have some ideas about what to do about this. But it's looking more and more like the the best solution would be to actually somehow sunset the old games in the sense that they're no longer downloadable on the store. People who have already gotten them will still have them. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, and so no, nobody's going to lose anything that they've already gotten, but we won't be able to get new users into those games. Um, and then try to find some way to sort of bring them up to date, but in a way that they're more uh, standalone where they no longer would use B-Scotch ID. Instead, they would use Rumpus. They would no longer be filled with in-app purchases. Instead, we would sell them or something like that. Mm-hmm. So basically, like, just do something to kind of bring them into the the present of yeah. our current studio's uh, capabilities and philosophies. Well, ideally, so, you know, invest, something, invest enough into them and give them a, a potential business model that could make them viable. Because if we don't, then it's just a straight loss, yeah. a huge loss. Yeah, uh, but if we can do something to them that makes them like relaunchable, sort of as a new title or whatever, uh, some kind of remastering. Yeah, then, then we have an opportunity to to probably not make a lot of money off of them, but, but to at least break even. Yeah, <laughs> to, with the goal being basically to pay for the the cost of action. Well, and honestly, it's just that we we want to keep those games alive. Yeah, and we don't want to have them exist in a way that that we feel like they're a problem. Yeah, for us. Uh, so we, yeah, we're still, we're still kind of working out what the solution might be. And I think the important thing is we, we currently have no plans of just like abandoning them. Yeah. Um, I hope we don't have to do that, but uh, yeah. well, I mean, I think it's likely that we will in the, in the sort of the support sense, you know, where, yeah, where at some point we are going to have to stop putting out updates. We are going to have to stop providing any kind of support whatsoever. Right. Cause if we want to move forward on future projects. We just, yeah. we don't have infinite resources. So one yep. thing at a time. Yep. So we'll see. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producer fat Bard for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord and forums running. Uh, also, if you'd like to get more involved in the butterscotch community, you can hop into our discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. We've got mugs, shirts, 
Uh, we don't have uh, we don't have like fine china or anything like that. No, not yet. But we do have regular mugs. Yeah, with awesome shit on them. Yep. So which is basically equivalent it's, because of the awesome shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, uh, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. And, and that has been updated. So if you send us something in the past, go, go look at that address now. Yes. Uh, and last but not least, if you would like to buy us a cup of coffee, you can do so over at uh, tips.bscotch.net. We've opened up an account on, uh, it's called Coffee. Co- Co-fi, Co-fi coffee or something. Yeah. Um, and so it, I think it just takes uh, like credit cards, PayPal, you just yeah, your, your just normal, normal internet, stuff. normal internet money stuff. Um, so if you like what we're doing here and would like to support us in that way, then feel free to do so. And actually, as of last week, we had a, a couple people subscribe. You that can do like awesome. a recurring monthly thing, yep. which we're super pumped about, and we appreciate that. Yeah, we would, uh, we would love to be able to have it make enough money just to pay our contractors who just like clean up and manage the podcast for us. Yeah, it, d- uh, it does actually. We it, don't plan to actually make any money off of it because that's a long stretch. Yeah, <laughs> between yeah. where we are now and where that would have to be, uh, but if we can just kind of offset other people's costs, and that would be that'd yeah, be it does it does cost us time and money per episode to to bring this podcast uh, out to everybody yeah. so. outside of just our own time. Yes, uh, so so anything that if you're a regular listener, anything that you can toss our way to help uh, help us cover the cost of the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. So thank you very much, and again, that's over at tips.bscash.net. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>